Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Good. And let's get rid of this. Oh, no dog. All right. Three, two, and one. Okay. Welcome back or welcome to Ted and Yogi's Pack Adventure. In person. And thank God I've missed you. At the Roth Pad. That's right. Like Last that. time we did this was when we broke down the air raid. The air raid, yeah. yeah so check that out. You can still go watch that. That's that online. was good. We'll go. We'll do that again this off season. We oh, should yeah. tackle a few more of these uh, these football formations and football phrases we hear all the time. But I'll tell you, Yogi, I, I can't help but feel college base or college football rather has entered exactly the realm that I lived in for a long time in baseball. There is no off season, <laughs> and in fact, the off season is often busier than the season itself. And yeah. I think college football is right in the middle of it. Yeah, I was telling my wife the other day. That with every, all the news happening, she's like, when is the off season? I was like, you know, I'm not even going to take like a hard stance on whether you like the portal, don't like the portal, hate NIL, think it's ja-. like, it's just entertaining now. Like you just sit back and you're like, this is the, this is the world we live in. Like not a ton of rules. Uh, so a ton of movement. And we saw obviously the staffs with uh, Justin Wilcox, Chip Kelly, they get an extension since the last time we did this podcast, which is huge for us. And then we've seen uh, more news come out on Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Right, which they fire two of the coaches. They were already on administrative leave, and one of them resigns, as well as Zach Hill, the OC, resigns. So we'll see. They got the first spring game on the yeah. Pac-12 networks. But what did you think when all that came out? Wow. I mean, and we were both talking about this, Yogi. The local reaction is pretty intense. Um, obviously, there's been such buildup and such optimism around Herm and, and the progress he made. We both were there for a practice before their first game this year, and I know – I certainly, the eyeball test, to me, they passed with flying colors. And as a result, you know, the season was good. It wasn't as good as I thought it would be. So however you want to phrase that. Uh, the point being is I'm not sure now how you continue to proceed. And what what I fear for Arizona State, and this is something only the leadership can answer. We can't. But we lived this in this conference with Arizona basketball the last couple of years. Once a cloud hovers over, you have to get rid of the cloud, whatever it takes. The cloud doesn't go away on its own. And Arizona finally did this past offseason, remove that cloud, and look where their basketball team is now. Um, I fear that for Arizona State football. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious to see how this shakes out. Like We've got signing day. Mm-hmm. I'm calling it portal day mm-hmm. next week on Wednesday. Um, ASU, as we were there for the Territorial Cup, 
Herm said, hey, I'm not going on the road. I'm going to my office to watch all these recruits in the portal. And that's what their class is right now, right? There's there's a handful of high school players, but majority of guys that have come from other institutions where they got, got a guy from Penn State, they've got guys from all over the country uh, that will be fun and intriguing to watch. They return players, right? Merlin Robertson didn't enter the NFL draft. Mm. Jaden Daniels didn't enter right. the NFL draft. I like the O-line transfer. So it's weird because the pieces they have, I think are pretty good when you look at what will be on the field next year. How do they manage all the stuff off the field, right? They elevated the two coaches that were interim last year to be full-time. Clearly, they're in the mix for an OC. And they just brought in Brian Billick. (laughs) That was eye-opening. Yeah. Another, obviously, look, you talk about a Super Bowl winning coach, not just an NFL coach. Guy has a ring. Yeah. The big ring. And I'm interested, and clearly now, we're, we're doing this just hours after the announcement of the coaching changes and Zach Hill being out. Uh, apparently, according to the one ESPN story we read, Brian Billick will not be the OC, but I've got to believe he's going to be hands-on. Yeah, the offense. He's a Bill Walsh disciple. You know, there's a the book, the book that is considered the Bible for football coaching. Uh, Brian Billick basically compiled it as as the, the 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 encyclopedia of Bill Walsh's coaching philosophies. So Brian Billick is right there, and. Got to hope that that would be a positive thing for Jaden Daniels. And look, we all know Arizona State had a, a good season last year. They had a very good run game. The pass game didn't. And the pass game just didn't work. It needs to be better. And hopefully that's why Herm Edwards brought Brian Bellick in. And hopefully for ASU, that's the impact Bellick has. Yeah, and they lost some receivers in the portal, right? Yeah. Their biggest receiver, a guy that we liked. He ended up at Florida State along with Micah Pittman from Oregon. Uh, so we'll see how it shakes out. What I can't wait to ask you about, though, is have you read the book? Like, you, you hear about the Bill Walsh book. You can't find it anywhere unless it's like a couple hundred bucks. Come to my house, yo. Okay, I need it. You I and David it. Shaw have the book. I, I I bought it a few years back when I was working for the San Francisco 49ers. It was very expensive because they are rare. Yeah. It was out of print. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's it's not something you would enjoy it, Yogi. Most of our people listening, if you're not, if you're a football fan, I don't know that it appeals to you because it's very intricate and detailed about how you build an organization. That's really what it is. But it's Bill Walsh building an organization from step A to step Z, all the way through. How you conduct things, how you choose, how you organize, how you run meetings, how you run practices. It's everything. So for coaches, it has been used as a, a quote, Bible, yeah. Uh, but but again, Billick, who who kind of interned and got started in the coaching business under Bill Walsh with the 49ers, was the guy that really compiled everything. Yeah. Well, to your point on the cloud, before we move on to the next yeah. subject, I think it's you know their head of recruiting, and it's a job that's available now at Arizona State, right? So there's big jobs that are available, right? So does that cloud get removed and Herm Edwards, you know, hits the relative reset button with a new staff? What does an OC think? Or is there still more to come? I think it's all TBD, but this team, they're going to have to when they get to spring. And I think athletes can do this, is not really worry about everything else. Like, they just got to go play. And I think they have enough talent to do it this year. But it's moving forward down the road. Like, what does your class look like next year? Is it still full of portal guys? Is it full of high school players? Like, the development of the players there, when you're hit with things like Arizona State is dealing with now, I think that's what impacts the development program. Because down the road at Arizona – they're killing it. I mean, top two I mean, class right, right. 
in this league on signing day. They got uh, Tutoria McMillan, number one receiver in California. They get Noah Fafita. We haven't even talked Jaden Daniel, or excuse me, Jaden Delora. Jane Delora, right? Right. They're crushing in the portal. They're up for some huge names for next week to just to continue to add to this class. They got the number one receiver on my big board in the portal world in the transfer, a receiver from UTEP, who's just phenomenal when you watch mm-hmm. this guy on film. So Arizona's a fun state, and Brian Billick and, is the biggest mentor to Jed Fish, or one right, of the biggest. Right. So here's the again to the cloud. Um, I had the chance uh, a few days ago to have a nice conversation with Dr. Bobby Robbins, the president of the University of Arizona. And one of his comments to me was, can you believe that a football team that won one game can have such a great recruiting class? But that's what Jed Fish has been able to achieve. And, And this is where I come back to the cloud again. What happened at Arizona basketball the last few years was the recruiting became one and dones or international players. And... What is succeeding this year are very talented, but they're international players. You couldn't get the real high school, unless it was the one-and-done high school kid, prep school, AAU kid. Um, So transfer that to football, where it's not the international player, but it's the portal. So are you going to have a team filled with 40 guys that have checked out of someplace else? And let's face it, somebody's in the portal for a reason. And I've said that forever, and I I, I know everybody's in the portal today, but there's something to that. And that's why I just... If if Herm Edwards is to recognize what we've all expected him to there, given his credibility and having a Marvin Lewis at his side for all these years, and now bringing in a Super Bowl coach, you you want the highest, you want more Jaden Daniels guys that you come in for four or five, stay, develop, get better. That's still the root of football. I don't know that you can build, and you tell me if you differ. Can you build a long-standing program? now just play in the portal game i don't i don't know that's like my biggest thing that i'm looking forward to in the spring is the portal versus high school recruits versus development of players right and the development of a culture in a locker room right so if i come in and i'm just coming in for my one year am i really about the program like all every school has had has an elite portal guy stanford has a portal guy safety from oklahoma who's awesome asu has a bunch of them every school in this conference we're gonna get into the quarterbacks have a lot what what flips like we always knew that the nfl was everybody's dream but now does it is it even with um building the program or is it even further ahead of the jersey that i'm wearing like do the players really care and what i would say to the players is man i know it's about nil or the money you may be able to make but nothing will help you when you're my age or your age, then where you went to school, the network, the jersey, the logo, like there's still nothing like that. You lean on it. So I don't know. I do think this though, out of all the coaches in the league, Herm is at the top in terms of you said, bring a bunch of people that have one year together, much like he did in the pros. Right. Like he can manage that really well. So I'm, I'm excited to watch that. Yeah. And that you hit it because that is more of a pro model where you don't, you don't know what you're going to have year to year on a pro team. So I get that. And I, I just come at it from wondering whether in this craziness era now that we're entering, you know, is the portal still something you use to patch holes? Yeah. As Oregon has tried to do. And they're yeah. do, trying to do it again. Brandon Adams, yeah. Patch that hole a quarterback yeah. with how many different years they've tried to do that. But the rest of the team's pretty good. I mean, the rest of the team's pretty solid. So I get that. When you say, I've got to fill 20 positions using the portal. That's the one I just, I don't know. And maybe somebody can ping us and say there's an example of how it's worked. I don't know of one where that's worked. Yeah, I don't think it can be for ASU 
every year of how they build the thing to your point and i love and i'm not we're not trying to comp asu in arizona all day long but i love the nucleus of young talent arizona's gonna have over 30 players on campus a lot of them already there dynamic competitors Mm -hmm. and elite players like this team's gonna take a jump bowl game i think is the goal for them this year but in two years like if they keep recruiting like they have i mean they might take We'll see what happens on Sunday. They might take an edge rusher from Flipham from Michigan. Mm-hmm. One win, CFP. Yeah. Think about. It. I mean, that's yeah. just a different planet than what we would have yeah. said a couple years ago. Let's uh, let's yeah. let's talk about some other coaches yes. in the conference. Uh, others that have stayed. Chip Kelly, new deal at UCLA since we last talked. Had to make a change at DC. Yeah, and we still don't know what the change is. Right. So you look at OC at ASU, DC at UCLA. Uh, you know, lost Johnny Nansen to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Is when I was prepping for Sunday, I went back and looked at every roster, and I'm like, okay, what's what's the, the truth? What's the talent? Don't be emotional. Don't be on campus. UCLA is still gonna be really good. Like I get Utah's the favorite in the South, and and I I'm sure I'll put them there. But again, I look at UCLA and I say, okay, you've got tools on offense. You got the best duo in the league, in my opinion, Zach Charbonnet, DTR, right? right. Cam Rising and Tavion Thomas, they're right there. But I'd give the nod to UCLA. That's big, exactly. And then defensively, Mitchell Agude comes back. Right. Look at what they've done in the portal at a bunch of different positions. Uh, they've got talent. Like they're they're losing Quantrez Knight, but Martell Irby's still there. We know he played well. They're losing Quentin Lake, but they've got some guys in the back end that have played well. And in the portal, they've done a nice job every year. Ali Cajo from Alabama. They're getting a receiver in from Duke. Like guys that come from either extremely high production programs or high academic standing programs. Right. Jordan Genmark Heath, the name linebacker last year. So they can come in and they're not gonna to me be like problem guys and none of most of them are not like they had an issue and they didn't really produce it's like yeah it's 70 catches i was an all acc wide receiver Mm -hmm. but i want to come play at ucla so i i'm bullish on them i'm glad they extended chip defensively i'm very intrigued to see where they go you know you can argue philosophically should you be a three-man front defense? Should you be a four-man front defense? Stanford, they're going to have to make a decision on which way they want to go after the, la- the way last season ended. Uh, but I'd imagine because he signed his deal, it's a sought-after job, sought-after job. And then you add in like a Kaika Malloy. Mm-hmm. He's now coaching there from UW. Like he's done a nice job bolstering that defensive staff after losing a couple coaches. Yeah, Cal, Justin Wilcox stays, and we know. I think everybody listening to us would now know this, the possibility of the romance with Oregon. He stays at Cal. Um, I've had some pretty good information about the the uh, aftermath of that and how Justin really committed to Cal, to stay at Cal. And here's another conversation I can relay. I've talked about this just in the last 24 hours with Mark Fox, the basketball coach. At Cal, and you know this is interesting when you ask because the basketball coaches, football coaches at these schools know each other. Mark Fox could not speak highly enough of how, when this happened in the last couple of weeks, his conversations with Justin were all about what was going to be better for the program, for the staff, for the facilities. Not about Justin. Nothing. When Mark Fox says that, that registers. And it speaks so much to the guy we've come to know. And obviously the next step now is to translate this into getting Cal football into contention again. Yeah. But but I think it just it's such a wonderful compliment to Justin Wilcox and how Cal benefits greatly by him staying. 
Yeah, man. You know, I talked to Justin uh, after he signed his deal. And for the Cal fans listening, know this. He's so excited to go try to win the North Championship, go win a Pac-12 championship. Something hasn't been done there, right? right? And I've... He's always been motivated, and this is just my take. I feel a little bit of different juice from him, like reinvigorated juice. And they've gone through a lot. It's fair to say everybody has, but Cal, at least in the world of college football and COVID in 2020 and 2021, uh, it's been it's been a lot. And I just feel like it's almost like year one for him, but he's got a bunch of years of experience as a head coach. They obviously bring back both coordinators. They bring in... Uh, the defensive coordinator, Coach Sermon, his son now, Jackson Sermon, transfers from UW. So he's going to fill in the linebacker position that Coin Dang departs. You hope Brett Johnson comes back. Uh, they've got one of the better corners in the conference coming in, a sleeper they'll sign on signing day. Overall, again, you look at the roster, and if Jack Plummer, Will's brother mm -hmm. from Arizona, can do some of what he did at Purdue, I mean, he's 6'5". He's a big passer. This is not Chase Garber's own read, run game, RPO style. Like, this is going to be – we're going to see their offense. You know, I think when you look at Bill Musgrave and his pro background, I think we're going to see more of that in the spring. All right, so let's morph out of coaches now to players, quarterbacks. Yes. Oh, God, I've been, get my list. You know, I've been uh, strong in that this was not a great year for quarterbacking overall in the conference, and it needs – I mean, to, to contend on the big stage, it needs to be better. Yeah, bro. All right, so we have the returners. We know Jaden Daniels is coming back. We know Dorian's coming back. Yep. At UCLA right now, who's the newcomer or comers? Maybe I'll give you two coming in yeah. that have the chance to make the biggest impact. Okay, I mean, let's just take Kayla Williams out of it because it's what yeah. three yeah. o'clock on Friday, <laughs> right? By the end of the it's day, three o'clock yeah. on Friday. Do you know where <laughs> Caleb Williams is? Totally. I hope you have a cocktail. <laughs> um, and by the end of today, what I'm told from people at SC is you got to be enrolled by the end of the 28th today. So we'll see if that happens by the time we're done recruiting or recording this. Yeah. Okay, newcomers. I go Cam Ward at Washington, Washington State. State. He came in from Incarnate Ward. I watched him on film last night. I was like, oh, this guy's kind of fun to watch. Coming with his OC. Come with his head coach. Oh, with head coach and OC. OC. Yeah, which right. to me, like, I didn't really dive into that story right. until the last couple of days. And I'm like, this is a big deal. Mm -hmm. This isn't like you're just coming with your position coach. Right. So I, I'm really intrigued. First time-ish head coach in Jake Dicker, right? He had his little bit of a run last year. So I'd go there because they got a lot of sneaky tools. Like they still have some edge rushers on defense. I like their secondary. They're always going to have wideouts. They have tight ends now, Ted. Like get ready to call games. Like they're going to have multiple tight ends on this roster. We'll see them on the field. Wait a minute, an air raid team? The coup grade. Yeah, the coup grade. Coup grade with tight ends? With tight ends. Yeah, so we'll have to do that. I remember that from our era. I mean, because that's the thing is, you know, we know Leach had no idea what a tight end was. No, I don't know if he does yet. Yeah. Uh, so I'd go with him. And then I'm torn, right? Like, I think Jaden Delora is three wins. Mm -hmm. Like, I think what he, we saw the dynamic yeah. element in his game. Bo Nix at Oregon. He That's comes with his OC. Yeah, so let's leave Delora out because he's in the conference. Okay. He's transferring within. So I'm, I'm talking about the guys you, you referenced, the, the Purdue plumber coming yep. to Cal. But Bo Nix is clearly I'd go Bo. the top. Yeah, Michael Penix still and has Michael to get healthy. At UW. Yeah, I think I, – I can't wait to see what happens there. Sam Hewer, I had a chance to connect with him a week or two ago. As confident as he's been, loves the staff. I think that the hype around UW is so tempered. I'm going to tell you that I believe offensively they're going to be so impressive this year. We saw it firsthand with Fresno State UCLA last mm -hmm. year. Uh, he's so excited about the system, yeah. right? And just a couple meetings in. 
So I probably I probably go there. Like Colorado has Maddox Cop coming in, who was an Elite Eleven quarterback two years ago. Threw for a million yards. I'm going to Houston. Stayed for you know whatever it was, and then ended up into the portal. I'll be a second year in college, but but Bo. And I think to your point earlier, and I'll say this: when we talked to Mario Cristobal, it was midseason. We just did Washington State, Oregon State, driving to the hotel, and they had a bye week. And we we're talking. I was talking about coaching rumors, and he's like, "Man, we're built to win next year, Yoga. Why do I want to take another job now? Miami wasn't a thing then, right? His alma mater, and it hit me like, yeah." Noah Sewell, guys on the offensive front, like you thought Travis Dye would still be there, whatever. Uh, Devin Williams, like they've got dudes there. Mace Funa. So Bo Nix can go in, and I think this team is the favorite today for the North, and I think them in Utah wouldn't be surprised if we saw them again. Who do you think is the best returning quarterback? I'll give you my vote. I think the highest upside is Tanner McKee, Stanford. Yeah. That's my sense. What do you think of Stanford? Like I'm still like – Puzzled. Had some conversations on that recently. Um, a lot of people, uh, no changes apparently. We were wondering what, whether David Shaw would make some changes internally. Nothing that we're aware of has happened. Um, uh, the, there was a complete puzzlement over the departure of both running backs. Both yeah. running backs. Um, Stanford didn't run the ball well. We know that. Uh, we know, I think it's very clear to everybody, their line play is not at the level it was in the peak years of David's run. Are those two connected? Possible, right? Yeah. I think it, makes, it could be a logical conclusion to reach. But yeah, I mean, it's it's clearly, and, I, and, I, and for those who may not know, I spent a lot of time, I spent 13 years around Stanford. So, you know, it, it's a little bit in my heart and, and it's stunning because normally, we just assume that yeah. somebody that chooses to go play football at Stanford values the Stanford education. Yeah. Values the degree they're going to get because that's a lifetime. Yeah. That's a lifetime, far above and beyond the end of football. Well, when these players then decide to leave and pass up on that, that's to me, that's just jarring. It's jarring. Yeah. Like I think going in the spring, Tanner McKee and Michael Wilson are the best duo at quarterback and wow. wideout in the league. Because they played a little together. Like, who, yeah. who else? Jaden Daniels and... We, we're exempting the USC potential oh, yeah. combination yeah. <laughs> from that. Okay. Exactly, okay. exactly. Right. Right. And even then, like, the receivers that they brought in, well, they brought in a young man from Oklahoma. I think he had 35 grabs last year. It's not like he had 70 catches. And, right, right. And, and so Caleb Williams. the best returning combo. Yeah, right. like, the one I'm most... Like, I think they will be lethal this fall. I believe in that. We'll see what other combos come up. But it's, it's hard for me when I think about that. Because I, I think Tanner... Every NFL scout would say the same thing. I think, Tanner McKee. But there's a world, and I get in a lot of debates with college football people around DTR. He might be the guy that I would choose, and here's why. He played only his senior year at quarterback. So now in his life... High school. High school, yeah. He's got four-ish years of college, mm -hmm. right? COVID, they, it was a shortened season, and a season in high school where they blew out every team and he barely played in the fourth quarter. So he's got about... Call it five years of quarterback experience. And I think when you look at his turnover numbers every year, when he's on, which, you know, it's not, he's not perfect, but I just think his trajectory has constantly gone up. And as a DC in the league, you're like, damn, that guy, when he's on, he's scary. So part of me wants to say him. Yeah. Competitor, yeah. we saw that yeah. hands down this past year. There's Te no, the teammate. Quest no questioning that. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's not. 
I mean, we talk about it, but, yeah. you know, as broadcasters, you walk out of the booth and you're like, all right, what do you really think? You know, and it's not like during every game we call for UCLA it was lights out, but they had moments, second half of Colorado game, right? He was incredible. I think it was mm -hmm. his 21st or 22nd birthday that night. Yeah. Uh, so part of me wants to say him, part of me wants to say Jaden Daniels. Like, I want to see the next phase. Like, I'm so excited about him, but I don't know. Like, so here's, so I'm going to ask you the next question because I think they are connected. And we didn't talk much about this during the season, but as I said, I you know I was just I thought the quarterback play in the conference wasn't where it needs to be. Wide receivers, see, I I would say who's the best wide receivers? Who has the best group of wide receivers coming back yeah. in the conference? I think because we're talking about Jaden Daniels, who did he throw the ball to last year? Ricky Pearsall, nice job, yeah. and Hodges, the tight end, became a reliable, very good target for him. The wide receivers. Totally. I mean, the other wide receivers, no. There was and nothing they, there. They had remember the class they had too? I know. Right? It was like Jordan Porter who since transferred. It was uh Johnny oh, Wilson who's yeah, transferred. Ocho Cinco's but son, they didn't do anything. Chad Johnson's right, right. kid. Like didn't produce. Yeah, so I I'm with you. I went so I did a study in advance of signing day where I was like, let me look at like some of the best receivers. Because what has shocked me is like Oregon hasn't had like who do you think about? I, Who's I, the best weapon in the passing game that Oregon's had in the last decade? DeAnthony Thomas. DeAnthony Thomas. Right? Who was like right. hybrid type oh, of right. player. Yeah. So I went through every team and I went through my list. And I was like, all right, who's who are the best receivers at, at, at every team, right? SC easily, easily is like the first team that you talk about, right? Whether it's Drake London this year, Marquise Lee, Robert Woods, like they have a bunch of guys. And you can name one or two guys pseudoly at every school. Arizona, you would say uh, Austin Hill, mm -hmm. possibly, or Caleb Jones, the transfer from uh, Texas who came in and played well there. But nobody, like, jumps through the roof. No. But you can go to every school, right? ASU, Nikhil Harry, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Oregon right. State, a bunch of guys. Go down the list. Cal, like, they had Chad Hansen, who's still playing in the NFL. Uh, Stanford, of course, like Montgomery, Simi. Semi Fahoku yeah, and our sacred JJ, right? Good receivers. And I'm wait, and I guess where I'm going with this to me is, you know, we're all watching Joe Burrow throw to Jamar Chase right now, the college connection that's now threatening to play in the Super Bowl. And I mean, the, you know, just we understand the SEC, but I'm saying that's the the kind of game breaking receivers that seem to multiply yeah. in the SEC. And I started thinking about that this week, is that I'm, you know, I'm kind of getting on the quarterback thing, but I'm going, you know, it's the receiver thing too. Yeah, it's the receivers. Well. Right now, and I we'll do it on the next pod. I'm going to go through and like rank my top players at every position in the mm -hmm. league because uh, some are still arriving. Uh, Brendan Rice transfers to SC. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. You look at Mel, a lot of Mel Tucker's class has transferred. I think there's something to that, right? I think Colorado's getting dinged a ton with guys leaving. Well, I think it's fair to say, well, they came there and they thought they were going to play for a different guy and the circumstances and whatever they probably thought they were walking into may have altered. So I think Colorado's going to be in a really good position with when you talk to their staff, what the players they're bringing in, they all want to be there. But to your point on the receivers, like it might be T-Mac, Tatoria McMillan. He is top player in California, owned the poly bowl when he was just there. He's going to be a true freshman. Like, so you're getting, this year's class at wideout is pretty good. The portal's pretty good, but if you if you look at it, like who's the who's the biggest threat coming into spring ball at wide out? I don't know, man. You said Michael Wilson at Stanford. Yeah, if he's yeah. healthy, assuming he's yeah. healthy, and that's where I'm going. And that that's something I hope that in the you know what 
the signing's almost finished and the portal, I'm not sure there's probably still a couple of thousand people in there, but I'm hoping that that's position. Yeah. That we can identify a couple of, you know, well, I got receivers, for you. wide receivers that impact games, that defensive coaches spend the week going to the game worried about like they did about Drake London this year. Yeah. So when we do the spring tour, I want to see the second and third year players that were huge recruits ball out. So Kyle Ford at SC, he was top five high school receiver I've ever seen at mm. the Elite 11. I'm talking just mossing everybody to knee injuries. Mm. How's he recovered? Can yeah. he finally be that guy? I look at Jalen McMillan, one of the top receivers in California. He's at UW, chose to stay there in this offense. Roma Dunzier, I think both of those can be all-conference wide receivers. 6'2", 6'4", can make plays. The offensive passing game, it's not a surprise, Like was relatively non-existent at Washington last year. I think that's going to be a total flip this year. Uh, Troy Franklin, like one of those big players that kind of did some things for Oregon down the stretch. Can he finally be that guy? Devin Williams, another one. So I think there's some players that kind of like – I don't want to say in years past at like running back, but like when you were like, yeah, there's a lot of talent when you're an insider, but on the outside looking in, you're wondering who's the NFL prospects. I can't wait this spring to see some of those guys yeah. in year two and year three. So think back you know, to the last week of our season, we did the Arizona-Arizona State game. So during the week, we're on the call with Arizona's coaches and Don Brown comes on. Yeah, great. Well said. Veteran defensive coordinator, spent his entire life in the East and Michigan. Comes out here for one year. Now he's going back to UMass. So I asked him on the call. Remember, he said, well, "Just you know, I'm interested. You're the guy that comes in from the outside. What'd you think of the Pac-12? What are you going to go back and when people ask you, what are you going to say?" He goes, "Yeah, well, you really run the ball well. <laughs> run the ball well. Yeah. There was a lot in that answer, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a great question, and I, I, you know, I've talked about that since then. Of like, man, like." Yeah, like it's hard as a DC to come in. We've always said that in this league because of the diversity, but you don't think running the ball necessarily when you think of offense no, and defending in, it. In 2022 football, right? No. But I do think our league has been the leaders in the vogue nature of tight ends and bringing them back to life. Yeah. Right. And we can call them H backs, F positions. We can call them. I don't know, whatever we want to call him. Debo, watch on Sunday, Debo Samuel is leading the charge to blur now. Football is going to go the way of basketball, I think. Yeah. The positions aren't going to mean the same. Yeah. The, na- the, the, the responsibilities are blurring, and you're going to have more positionless, or as some people have called it, the offensive weapon, right? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, that's funny because that was like the nickel defender in college yeah. seven years mm-hmm. ago. Now that's the thing in the league. Yeah. Like you, you draft – somebody to go play that that position for you yeah I, I, you know the run game is interesting well we're going to break down the uh i almost said oklahoma the sc run game because mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about that in the air raid pod we did last last off season but i, I can't wait to see talk about running backs travis die austin jones darwin barlow um and they had a freshman last year's name I'm, I'm forgetting it running back and they brought in the top back in the country uh in signing day right like like is it is sc gonna be UCLA in terms of they want to run the ball to set things up and well you know where I'm coming on that answer yeah so I sure as heck hope so uh, amen regain your identity yeah and believe me I'm not sitting here suggesting you have to ground and pound that's not my point but successful football just watch whether it's Saturday or Sunday successful football it's very hard to sustain it throwing the ball 60 times a game yeah look you at the have playoff. to be able to run it yeah I still go to the, the end of the day you go to the 
championship game every yeah. year. What do the teams do? They usually play really good defense and they're yeah. physical up front and can run the ball when they want to run it. And, and we saw that in the champ game, which was cool for Dan Lanning mm-hmm. going to Oregon. Uh, I, I can't I can't wait to get there for spring ball. But the running game, I think, in this league is, is going to be interesting because it's going to make noise in the draft. Rashad White, he's going to be probably the first back taken out of the Pac-12 when you think about it. And then the movement at running back, see what max borgie does he might be one of those as you referenced like uh specialty playmakers in the nfl if he gets he gets wherever wherever he nets out at uh, but I, but i'm i'm kind of intrigued because there's a lot of battles this spring at that position like who the best back in the league is i think you're gonna go zach charbonnet or you're gonna go to utah right one of those two guys everywhere else for the most part arizona there's a battle asu there's a battle uh, sc there's a battle uh, Colorado, Jarek Broussard hit the portal, so right. we'll see what happens there, which is surprising me again. Um, we reference Utah. You look at the North Cal, there's going to be a battle there. Christopher Brooks, um, he ended up entering the transfer portal, which was interesting because I thought he did a nice job when he was there and healthy. Stanford will have a position battle. They got three guys there now after losing two of them to the portal. Uh, let's see. Oregon State will have a battle. Yep. Oregon will have a battle. UW has six guys, I think, in the backfield. Uh, and then Wazoo, same deal. Like So there are going to be some names, I think, that emerge there within the league that the new D.C., a la Don Brown, will have to figure out. Yeah. Let me throw a couple things out here because we were talking a lot about the game, which I like, but now the other stuff that happens. Transfers within the conference. Yeah. That's, used to sit out a year. And, and it, <laughs> or two. And, and used to was, sit out two years. And it was, yeah, that's old in school. But uh, I'm wondering... If, and I have no idea about the legality of this, so I, I have no ability to comment on that. But at some point where, where college football needs structure, and somebody's going to have to lead here and bring structure to what now is utter chaos. So one of the things to me that, and because there is no overseeing body, we understand that in college football, the conferences all run their own show. And as I've talked to you about, it's it's the Brando scene it's the five families sitting together in the in the warehouse <laughs> and the godfather and ultimately the five families each family only cares about their own family that's their responsibility that's all they care about one of these families is going to have to step up and do something about putting some structure in and that's the first thing i'm wondering about and i understand we don't want to limit rights for players that's not the point but for the competitive nature of the sport which is essential do we do we have some governor on transferring within a conference? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to enough coaches where in recruiting, because NIL is a big deal, and I'm going to answer your question, yeah. They, you're not allowed to incite to play, right? You can't pay for play, basically. But there's a lot going on in NIL where it's like, Ted, you come to my school, I have this deal set up for you. Every coach, yeah. almost every coach I'd say I've talked to, said the first question is no longer, what is school like? What's your system like? It's, hey, so what What do you got? Yeah, right. Exactly. What's, what's the deal like? So I think as that exists and continues, you're going to see coaches and they lose a recruit. If I'm recruiting you and I lose you because you go to school X, I'll say, you know what? I get it, Ted. You're going to go there for that deal, but I'm going to get you next year. Just come on back after you get that thing. Yeah. And, and that's the world where like interconference transfer is one thing, but how about interconference um, tampering is another, 
right? Because because yeah, let's be point. real, like tampering exists. I hear from enough players that are like, "Hey, yo, what's out there in the market?" And I'm like, "Bro, I don't do that. I don't I don't do the street agent thing." Yeah. But they're asking about rosters, and they're trying to figure out like, if I enter the portal, where can I go? And most players already know where they want to go. Well, why and how? Because their coach, their high school coach, or their mentor has already talked to these guys. So. The inner conference thing, I think a couple years down the line, it's like, well, hey, I'll just get you in a year, man. Like, if it doesn't work out where you're going, yeah. away we go. And I don't know. When I was growing up, I used to yeah. think that would be cool in high school sports. Like, what if Lackawanna Trail traded with Dunmore and we got a new receiver on my team? <laughs> uh, but now watching it, yeah. I don't know. And and here's – and I agree because you mentioned – and I think something that's going to be – I've heard this and, and I don't have any concrete proof, but I've heard – that the other thing you're recruiting now and dealing with are much more involved parents. Yeah. Much more involved parents because of the financial windfall that's out there. And so here's my other, and, and these are the two words, and I said this about five years ago with you and these guys about free agency, and I know college people hate hearing that, and they roll their eyes, look what we have. It's unadulterated free agency right now. It's way worse. Free, it's total free agency. So my, my point is the next two words that somebody's going to have to introduce in college football right now, salary cap. Yeah. Salary cap. When you have NIL out there, I mean, and these are just stories. Who knows what's myth and what's real. But when you start hearing the millions of dollars being thrown around by schools in NIL through their boosters, obviously, again, it's not through the football office. We get that. Uh, at some point, again, this gets back to my my structure theory. This is this sport's going to need structure, and it may. I mean, unbelievably, did you ever think we'd be saying that? I've thought about this a lot in the last month when I hear these stories about the NIL. Again, the NIL payoffs that are there, and this this wonderfully righteous, upstanding thing, and the players have been getting shorted, and they need to share in the win windfall. Okay, we all get that. Politicians all stood up because it was an easy thing to do. All these politicians that have no spine on a lot of other things stood up to hammer colleges. And that. Okay, great. But now, when the pendulum goes way over here, do we need a salary cap for, again, the competitive nature of a sport that, by the way, you're selling as a product? You sell it not just to television, but you sell it to your alumni and your boosters. You sell tickets. Not too many people get excited about watching 73 to 6 every yeah, it's going to be interesting. There's so many, to your points, I'll give you some examples of rumors. I don't know if they're true. Uh, every position in a certain conference has uh, a working agreement on what that position's market value is. I don't know if that's true or not. I think people tell me that's a rumor. People dispel that rumor. Mm -hmm. Other rumors. There's only four to 12 schools in the country that really have a handle on NIL and the quote-unquote deals. Everybody else is pretty much in the same boat, which is working on the quote-unquote fund or not having a fund and right. just doing what NIL was meant to do, which is allow guys to profit off their name, image, likeness, social media, whatever it is, like be able to make a little of that extra change. That to me is going to be the, the dialogue. And it's so different everywhere that I don't know. I don't know when it's going to be agreed upon to talk talk about and agree on the rules moving forward. Because we've all, we've seen it. There's a rule, there's a loophole. There's a rule, there's a loophole. There's a rule, yeah. there's a loophole. And that's just how it how it works. I, I don't know. Part of me hates the fact that the NCAA has just kind of said, hey, all right, I'm out. Do yeah. your thing. And part of me likes it. 
because it's forcing people to look at the real reality of wow, this thing can get dark. So in two years, when we're sitting on this couch, I'm really curious to see what each respective conference does and or is there now going on. And I'm and I'm being very careful here to not, and I hope I'm not coming across as a get off my lawn guy. Yeah, yeah. That's not the point. I understand where we are. My sincere hope. For the future of college football, though, is that there needs to be again structure so that this thing we continue to have a game, you know, contests that are fair, that are bad, that are real, relatively balanced. People want to watch, and again, nobody wants to watch, you know, Alabama beat the Citadel seventy-three to nothing every week. So, you know, and it, it may wind up being Vanderbilt and Mississippi State and schools in their own conference that are doing that. Nobody wants to see that. There's no value to that. So, I, I, I think. Because I, I, it's very clear that this has happened with such speed that no one's been prepared. Everybody needs to collectively step back here and get some more thought about how we do this the right way and have some structure. To this. So that the, those are why the two issues I raised, interconference transfers and salary cap. When you hear some of the rumors about some of the SEC schools and what their NIL budget, yeah. for lack of a better term, or maybe the accurate term, <laughs> is when you hear when you hear the numbers, it's staggering. And again, I I can't sit here and say that's fact or is it myth? Is it hyperbole? But it's it gets your attention. Yeah, and I wonder how long. Let's just pretend it's fact. How long it can go on? Like how long can you create a fund that's in the tens of millions of dollars every year for players? How do athletic departments survive? Yeah. Do those donors want to keep doing that? There's a lot of stories. There easily could be a movie about it, um, and we'll continue to hammer it out uh, on this show. So Ted, this was fun in person. In I person, heard, right? We're gonna do it uh, when you come back. You're going to the Olympics. Wish you the best of luck in, there in Stanford, Connecticut. Yes. Not in, not not overseas. Yes, yes. So we'll be watching. Uh, my family loves it when Ted is on uh, Olympics 24 seven in this house. Uh, and then when we come back, we'll have spring ball. We'll have begun at Arizona State. A couple of schools will be ready to roll, yeah. and we will be in full spring preview. So hit us up with whatever it is you'd like to talk about or hear about. Ted and I got you. We'll bring Michael back in as well. He's busy. He's doing hoops. Got a lot happening. Champagne. Yes, Michael. champagne, Michael. Indeed. Uh, we appreciate the time. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.